0: prison, prayer, and an angel.
1: Grab your Bible, and let's talk.
0: Welcome to the Bible, Glitter & Glue podcast, where Bible study and thought-provoking conversation lead to creative teaching. Now, here are your hosts, David and Mary Nelson.
1: Hi, I'm David. Across from me is Mary and we're glad that you joined us in today's episode of Bible Glitter and Glue. Mary, we're continuing our conversation in the book of Acts. And in today's story, there is both sadness, but also there is some funny parts as well.
0: Yeah, it's there's a lot of drama in this one. And in fact, it's an enjoyable one to read. It's fairly long. It's in Acts chapter 12, almost the whole chapter, 1 through 24. But, wow, it might be one that you'd want to stop and read before we go on. The story today just fits within the bigger story of the gospel spreading after the resurrection of Jesus. And now we see the apostles and other teachers going out and teaching people. We go a little bit back and forth. Things started in Jerusalem If you've been listening to this podcast regularly, you know, in the chapter before, we were in Antioch, another city. But here we are back in Jerusalem because this story of Acts shifts things happening in Jerusalem. And then after this, things begin happening more in Antioch with Antioch becoming the church that's sending people out.
1: Yeah, that's an important thing to note. It's one of the important things about this chapter because things change after chapter 12. But, you know, in earlier chapters in Acts, we have persecution happening and uh, the apostles were persecuted by the religious authorities. And now we see this chapter, Acts chapter 12, the civil authorities are persecuting. And so chapter 12 begins with introduction of King Herod, who is doing terrible things to the church and he ordered james the brother of john to be killed the jews like this and so he put peter in prison it says this happened at the time of the feast of unleavened bread or the time of passover
0: this is james like you said the brother of john and this was an apostle this is The first apostle that we read about that is being killed for his faith. And this is a big deal. You think of those original 12 and the closeness they had to Jesus. So this is an attack on a person that is so close to Jesus. And this is James, the brother of John. Remember James and John, the brothers, the fishermen, the sons of thunder. They went together So we have these sons of thunder, these brothers. We have James, the very first apostle to uh, be martyred. And then you have John, his brother, that is evidently the very last apostle to die. So those two brothers are the bookends to all of the apostles in the way they leave this earth.
1: You know, it's just mentioned just briefly at the beginning about James being killed by the sword, probably beheaded. And then crisis for the church. You I'll mean, say. Huge blow. We have one of the pillars of the church in Jerusalem killed. And I guess the head of the apostles, if you will, Peter, is now in prison. So this was a huge blow to the church. And this is King Herod who did this. So who is this King Herod? Well, this King Herod is also known as Herod Agrippa I. And if you remember Herod the Great, the king... When Jesus was born, this is his grandson. There was Herod the Great, then there was Herod Antipas, and then now there is Herod Agrippa I. It is called King Herod here in chapter 12 of Acts. This King Herod spent his childhood years in the city of Rome, and he grew up to be good friends with the imperial family, the family of Caesar, the emperors of Rome. In fact, he grew up particularly with Claudius and Gaius, and both of these became Roman emperors later on. So this Herod had connections with the powers in Rome. And it was Gaius, also known as Caligula, appointed him king over the territory of southern Syria, Galilee, Perea, and Judea. And since he was part Jew, he went out of his way to try to make the Jews happy. He really wanted to be honored by the Jews.
0: Was this a popularity thing or a power struggle? Or do you think this was probably both?
1: Yeah, I think probably both.
0: Yeah, it made me think of that in those first opening verses, because he killed James, and then he saw people liked it. The Jews liked it, and then that's what led him. I'm like, oh, now I can really get popular. I'm going to take care of Peter, too.
1: Yes, Mary, I think you're exactly right on that. This all is going on at the time of Passover. And if you remember, it was many years earlier (laughs) When Jesus was killed, it was also at the time of Passover. And so the church now is gathered together. We have James beheaded. We have Peter in prison. The church is gathered. So what is the church doing? The church is gathered together praying.
0: I think that's really good to note, David. The church didn't just cower and hide and give up. They didn't start thinking, well, what can we do about this situation? They immediately went to God. Going to God in prayer is the biggest power play that you can make. They were going to where the answer could come from. So the church getting together to pray was a really important thing. And I think they could have easily felt like, it's hopeless and herod actually had 16 guards put over peter he was going to make sure peter was in jail i wonder if he's thinking back to all the fiasco and from his mind of jesus it's like okay we're not going to have any of those questions and things like that so he's just got 16 guards he's got him where he wants him in prison but the church doesn't give up the church prays
1: while the church is praying and we can assume that they were praying for peter God was at work. We read on in verse six that the night before Herod was to bring Peter out to trial. Peter was sleeping and he was sleeping between two soldiers chained to each one of them. And there were other soldiers guarding the jail. I haven't noticed this before, but James had just been beheaded. The church is facing a crisis situation. Peter has been arrested knowing what will probably happen to him. And he's asleep. I'm thinking, if that was me, I surely wouldn't be asleep, but he's asleep. Also, I thought, you know what? The night that Jesus was betrayed and when he was arrested, when he was praying in the garden, what was Peter doing? Peter was sleeping. So here he is sleeping. And all of a sudden, an angel appeared lighting up the room. He poked Peter in the side to wake him up. He said, get up. The chains fell off of him. And then the angel said, get dressed, Peter. Peter. And so Peter did what the angel said, but he seems to be still in some kind of sleeping stupor. And I think we've all been there when we've been that in-between state of being awake, fully awake and and present and waking up.
0: Well, but the soldiers were sleeping. They must have been just sleeping because how could they not know? These chains had fallen off. Peter's getting up. The light is bright in the room. And you think 16 soldiers They're all not noticing this. I find that very, that is a miracle.
1: Yeah. And Peter was just thinking, oh, I must be having another vision. You know, remember the chapter 10, he had this vision. And so they go past the two sets of guards. Uh, They came to the big iron gate, which led from the prison out into the city. And it just opened. And they quickly walked through the gate. And then the angel disappeared. The angel disappeared as quickly as he appeared.
0: That cool night air, the angel leaving, thats just all becomes clear to Peter at this point. Hey, this isn't a dream. This isn't a vision. This is real. I'm actually standing outside of the prison. What an amazing moment for Peter.
1: And this is one of the places in the story which I think is humorous, of just kind of imagining Peter kind of being in a stupor all through this time. And then finally, when he gets outside and the angel's gone, he's like... He kind of sees where he's at and He realizes. can almost see
0: him uh, kind of wake up to that. But it, I think it even gets a little bit more humorous because Peter immediately goes to a house where he knows Christians are praying. Right. And he, he knocks on the door, but yes, these people are praying, but they don't even realize, well, our prayer's already been answered. So I hear a knock at the door, never imagining that that would be Peter.
1: Yeah, he's at the door of the home of Mary, who is identified as the mother of John Mark. Now, traditionally, this is the Mark that wrote the gospel that bears his name. So that's where they're at. We're told that the servant girl, Rhoda, hears the knock. She answers, and Peter must be calling out, and she recognizes that it's Peter's voice, and in her excitement, she doesn't even open the door. She runs back to where the people are praying. And she's saying, Peter's out there. Peter's out there. And they're probably telling her to be quiet. We're praying. We're praying. And, but she keeps saying this, and they think she's crazy. And they just say, well, he must be his angel. And, but this knock keeps going on and on. And finally, they open the door. And lo and behold, there is Peter standing in front of them.
0: There are a lot of aha moments in this story, a lot of shocks. Peter realizing this is real, I'm out of prison, and now here the Christians here is like, oh, this is real. We've been praying for Peter, and here he is. This is real. How amazing to see your prayer answered like that.
1: <laughs> that started a commotion because they were, must have been talking because Peter has to tell them to be quiet. I don't want to wake everybody up and alert the citizens the fact that he's escaped that so he tells them to be quiet he explains everything to them he tells them what exactly happened then he says in verse 17 tell james and the other believers what happened then he left to go to another place
0: now it's probably worth noting so we had a james at the beginning the brother of john that was killed and now here this is a different james so which james is this
1: Well, this James is not introduced into the book of Acts. He just appears here all of a sudden. Now, This James actually is the brother of Jesus, and he's the James that will write the letter of James.
0: He also features in the church, doesn't he, James, as one of the leaders?
1: Well, here he's just mentioned as a leader and how he becomes a leader. We don't know. We don't know any of that story. And he will be prominent from now on in the book of Acts, and he will be... One of, if not the, like the spokesperson for the church in Jerusalem. So Peter says, tell James and the other believers too. And then Peter leaves. Now where Peter goes, we don't know. Presumably he goes off into hiding somewhere because we know what happens. Because later the next day, verse 18, the soldiers were very upset. I can imagine them waking up and looking between them and there's no Peter and the other guards are like, what? And no Peter, and looking all over the prison, and no Peter. And,
0: and That's then... a big deal for even professionally. This is a huge deal. I mean, it probably would have been confusing, but, man, they knew they were in trouble. Guards did not lose prisoners.
1: They did not, because if you had someone in, that you were in charge of and they escaped, you forfeited with your life. That was the punishment. And that's what happens to these guys, because they look everywhere, couldn't find them, and so Herod Said, you guys let him escape. He has them killed. So these guys, the poor guys, they never knew what happened.
0: But, you know, we've got Herod. Here he's made this attempt to become popular. Well, that's not happening. That chance is ruined. So the story we have today ends off with, now what happens next with Herod? He still tries to do his job. He still tries to be popular. The last verses have him in another place. Again, kind of trying to make people happy.
1: Herod was humiliated, this whole fiasco related to Peter. He was shamed and he wanted to reclaim his honor again. And so, to do that, he goes to Caesarea. Now, Caesarea is the capital of the province. And he goes to Caesarea to deal with an issue, two Phoenician cities, Tyre and Sidon, over something about grain. We don't know exactly what the issue was, but the Phoenicians thought it was important for them to settle things with Herod, because in the end, Herod held the trump card. So they were eager to settle these things with Herod, because he was the hand that fed them. On a particular day, he dresses up in all of his royal regalia. He looked impressive, and it was probably to remind them who he was.
0: And they played that game. They came out with praises for Herod. I'm not sure if they really thought he was great, but this is what you do to a king. So they're all saying how great he is. Actually, they say, this is not a man. This is the voice of God. They're really pouring out the praises. This would have been a good time for Herod to say, oh, no, I'm not God. But he's not going to say that, is he?
1: No, he just accepts that flattery. So he didn't give God the glory. And then we're told the Very end of verse 23, an angel of the Lord caused him to become sick. He was eaten by worms and died. What a humiliating end to this king, King Herod. Josephus is a Jewish historian, a very famous Jewish historian that lived toward the end of the first century. And he writes a lot of things that helps explain some of the stuff that the New Testament mentions. And one of the things he does talk about is King Herod. And he does talk about this story as well. He writes about this very incident of Herod's death in Antiquities of the Jews, Book 19, Chapter 8, Paragraph 2. And he states that Herod becomes violently ill in his stomach and he dies. And I find it interesting that this word for worm in verse 23 is a word that was often used of large intestinal worms. We should also note that ancient writers would use the phrase consumed by worms when referring to people that are worthy of dying such horrible deaths. We're just being told that Herod really deserved this. What a horrible end. That's
0: disgusting, actually. (laughs)
1: Yeah, it is. And there's one more thing. It's been pointed out that the writer of, of the book of Acts, Luke, uses people's speech to carry the story. He uses so many speeches in the book of Acts, but he doesn't report one word that Herod said. I mean, even though the people were flattering Herod, oh, the voice of a God, Luke does not report anything that he said. It's but not
0: worth his time, maybe. No,
1: but the contrast is, but the word of God continued to spread. That's the point, is the word of God continued to go forward. And that's how this story ends in verse 24.
0: David what strikes you in this story like personally what do you find so interesting
1: Well I find the humor interesting because normally we read the Bible we don't not necessarily looking for humor but there are many places in the scripture where there is humor and I think in this story there is some humor even though there's tragedy as well I find the church gathered together praying And that's one of the things the church does regularly in the book of Acts, is pray. When the church was faced with persecution earlier, they were gathering together to pray. They were praying that God would notice the threat against them, but that God would empower them to continue to preach the word. And maybe that's what they're praying in this chapter. I'm sure they were praying for Peter, but maybe they were praying that God would give them the courage to continue being God's people and doing what God has called them to do. Mary, what do you find interesting in this story?
0: <laughs> well, I find a lot interesting, of course, but I love how the angel is this background, I can say person exactly, this background being that is fulfilling God's plan. And the angel is used to answer the prayer. The angel is used uh, with Herod, all of these things. God is always at work, God is using every means that he has to help his people, to make sure that his word spreads. So the power of God in this is so important, I think, and knowing that the church is tapping into that power. And I think so often we try to problem solve on our own, but they are just depending on God to take care of this, and he comes through.
1: As we end this story, verse 24 does God's message continue to spread and reach more and more people. And this verse is a short verse, but it ends a section. Mary, I think you mentioned at the beginning of our conversation about this chapter where there's a change from what happens before and what happens afterwards. We've talked about James, the brother of Jesus, appearing in the story, and that he will become very prominent as we move forward in the book of Acts. Peter, who, of course, is the focus of this story, when he meets with the church and he says, tell James and the other believers, and then he goes off to another place. It's like he exits the story, because he only appears one more time in the book of Acts, and that's just to make a brief appearance in Acts chapter 15. It's like Peter exits the stage, and then, beginning in the next chapter, it's Saul who becomes Paul, becomes the primary person that will carry the gospel forward. So this is a pivotal chapter in the book of Acts.
0: That's right. One thing I forgot to do, David, earlier is to outline the story. Sometimes that's helpful as we teach. And I always put those in the show notes. If you want to look down below the podcast, the show notes have some of the scripture references and the outline and some things that you might find helpful. The first point I see is the persecution and arrest. So that's in Acts chapter 12, verses 1 through 5. And the second point is an angel frees Peter from prison. That's Acts chapter 12, verses 6 through 11. And then in verses 12 through 19, the third point, reunion with a praying church. And then finishing off Acts chapter 12, verses 20 through 24, the death of Herod. And that's how I would outline that. Does that seem to make sense to you?
1: That's a good way to read it. So we've talked a lot about this story. How would you tell the story to children and how would you help them understand the message of the story?
0: Obviously, prayer is a big message of this story. So, this would be a time I might do a craft on prayer, praying hands, something like that. There are a lot of ways to teach about prayer. So, making sure in class that we either have a prayer list or write prayer requests down and put them in a little box and then take them out and pray for them, things like that. There are lots. If you look at Mission Bible class, at the website, you'll see a lot of different ways to pray in class. That's a big one. I mean, you could also do an angel craft, something with an angel that could work. And again, if you haven't covered this in other stories, you might talk about what persecution is, why this all happened, that the king was wanting to hurt Christians. And any of those things could work. But honestly, David, this is one of those juicy stories for kids. I don't know what you think about this, but in different times in the past when I've had some unruly kids in class, I will tease them, give them a little teaser and say, hey, let's see if you can control yourself in this class. And if you do, at the end, I will tell you something really gross in the Bible. And it's so funny for a a naughty child to hear, like, oh, I want to hear something gross. Sometimes that actually works. They will control themselves. And this is one of those gross things that I pull out. I'll just say, oh, King Herod was eaten by worms. They just think that's amazing. That's one of the fun things about teaching children.
1: And so do you also give them, like, a sour worm as well to eat?
0: (laughs) (laughs) Oh, I could. David, we might think that's kind of disgusting, but maybe. Okay. What about for adults?
1: Well, adults, I think prayer is a key theme in this chapter. If I was teaching the class, I would ask this question. And this is a question actually that has no right or wrong answer. But it's the question that this story brings up. And the question is this. Why did God allow James to be killed, but God orchestrates Peter's escape from death? And that's a question that this chapter generates, and I think it can be a very good discussion. Earlier, we have two of the seven, Stephen and Philip, and Stephen is killed, but Philip is not. Why do these things happen? And ultimately, we're part of God's story. So I think this is a good question to discuss in class, and then we can follow up with what can we learn about prayer from this chapter? And then prison. Prison. Peter's in prison. Of course, he doesn't deserve to be there. So here's some things we can do related to prison. Visit a prison or write a letter of encouragement to prisoners. Maybe interview or talk to someone who has worked in prison ministry and ask them what it's like. We should not forget those who are in prison. In fact, you know, Jesus talks about visiting those who are in prison. So let's not forget about those who are in prison. They need the gospel, too. Those are two different things that can be discussed in an adult class.
0: I think you mentioned earlier, David, how there's a lot of humor in this story. I don't know if humor is the right word. It's just incredible, really, when you think about how God worked in these situations. And as his people, he continues to surprise us in how he works. I think it's a good reminder for me that prayer is so important. God continues to work. God can do anything. And here as his people, whether we're children, whether we're adults, I think we just need to remember that God is the answer and that we can go to him in prayer.
1: And may God bless you as you speak into the lives of adults and children.
0: Thank you for listening to the Bible Glitter and Glue podcast. Subscribe now to listen to new weekly episodes and visit missionbibleclass.org for more free resources to help you share
1: God's Word with children.